Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. All right, if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Luke 10. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to look at a, a, a passage that probably all of you are very familiar with. You've all read it before. Um, before we do that, though, we are going to kind of lay the groundwork. I want to ask a question. And the question, if, you have, if you're a parent here, have you had an experience with your kids? And this happens in our household all the time, that they pretend like they don't know how to do something when really they just don't want to do it. Has anybody ever had that happen in your, in your household? Even if you have older kids when they were younger, maybe even to this day, they still do that. They pretend like they don't know how to do something when the reality is they just don't want to do it. So really like it happens all the time in our house over and over again, like weekly, we'll ask our kids, one of our kids of the four doesn't do this very often. She's the more responsible one, and, and, but you might know who that is, you may not, but I have four kids from 12 to five. And so at some point every week, at least one of our kids says, but I don't know how to, you know? And I'm just like, we just said, throw that in the trash. That was all it was. But reality, they just didn't want to, right? Well, let me ask it a different way. Um, wives, do any of you have husbands who pretend like they don't know how to do something when in reality, they just don't want to. Anyone? You don't have to raise your hands. I'm sure we have all, as husbands, we've all done that at some point, acted like, oh yeah, she's like, oh yeah. We've all done that at some point where we act like we don't know how to do something when in reality, we do know how to do it. We just don't want to. I can't tell you how many times I have forgotten how to wash the dishes. Any other, any other husbands have forgotten how to wash the dishes like multiple, multiple times, right? Um, and so this phenomenon, as I was observing this and has been, have been observing this in uh, the lives of my kids and even myself at times, it made me realize, and I was thinking about it, that the reality is that as Christians, we're not very different than that at all. Like the Christian church in America, and if you watch us and the way that we behave and the things that we do, I think if we were all honest with ourselves, the reality is that we do this as well towards God. Think about that. There are things that God asks us to do in his word and things that we know that love requires of us to do. Things that we know that if we were going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we should do. And yet we act like we don't know how to do them as Christians when we really do know how. But the reality is we just don't want to do them. And so we, we many times, to, to be honest, we'll come to church, won't we? And we'll go to Bible study and we'll listen to podcasts and we'll, we'll read books with all of these different how-to's. All these different lists of this is how you love a neighbor. This is how you grow in your walk with Jesus. This is how you parent. This is how you how to, how to, how to, how to. And Christians, we're very good at piling up all these lists of how to's. And we'd like to not address the real problem that a lot of times we just don't want to. Like I know how to parent my kid. I've read enough books. I've listened to enough podcasts. The reality is the issue, there's times in my life where I just don't want to do it. And we know how to love our neighbor, but the reality is there's times when we just don't want to. And we know how to treat other people. 
with respect and with dignity. But there's times that we just don't want to. And I think that's a problem for us as Christians because, you know, God is very clear that, you know, it is from the overflow of our heart that the mouth speaks. And the reality is from the overflow of our heart that we, you know, take part in different things and our actions happen. And so if we really wanted to be honest, just like if my kids really wanted to be honest when they say they don't know how to do something, the reality is we know how to do most of the things that God calls us to do. We just don't want to do them. We'd rather just not. And this isn't something like new or something that's just like started now because Jesus in the New Testament over and over again, he dealt with people just like that. Unfortunately, it was, it was usually the Pharisees and it was the teachers of the law. It was the people that butted heads with Jesus the most that he had these issues with. And to be honest, sometimes we look like these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, acting like we don't know how to when we really do, but we don't want to. But he came up against these people all the time. And so this morning, what I wanna do is I just wanna look over a story. Again, you have probably heard this story many times. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And you can find it in Luke 10, Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And so what I want to do this morning is read through this. We're going to skip around a little bit because most of us know it. Um, But I just want to jump into it. And I want you to think about the perspective or think about what this teacher of the law, this lawyer who asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? What was he really doing? And we find that what he was really doing was just what I explained a few minutes ago. He was really saying, I don't want to. Because you've probably heard the story of the Good Samaritan. You've heard preachers and different teachers teach about it and say, you know, Jesus was, was explaining how to be a good neighbor. Really, that's not what Jesus was doing. Because this teacher of the law, he had the entire Old Testament that had explained to him how to be a good neighbor. It was well established at this time that you look after other people. If you see someone in distress, you help them. You love others. You care for people. You care for the poor. You care for the needy. You care for the orphan. You care for the widow. The Jewish culture had established long before this moment that you care and you love for other people and, you, and how to be a good neighbor to them. But the problem was Jesus wasn't teaching him how to be a good neighbor. He was challenging and confronting the reality that this teacher of the law knew how to be a good neighbor. He just didn't want to. That he didn't have a behavior problem. He had a much deeper problem that was a heart problem. And I think we can take that as we look through this and we can learn from that and we can challenge ourselves to look inside of our hearts and ask the question, how is our want to? Even if we know the how to, how is my want to? So let's jump in. Verse number 25, Luke 10. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. 
This is the key point. Listen to verse 29. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You see, there's this little detail in verse 29 that that the author, Luke, the gospel writer, adds that he didn't necessarily need to add. And this little unnecessary detail gives us insight into what's really going on in this story. And the detail was that desiring to justify himself. He, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? You see, people without the want to always find an excuse why they don't have to. People without the want to always create exceptions to the rule to give a reason why it doesn't apply to them. And that's what this this man was doing, this teacher of the law. He had created an excuse. He was trying to justify himself. He had an exception list that, that certain people were on this list that he, that were accepted from the Jewish law to love other people and to care for other people. And Jesus is really calling him out on that. And he's going to show to him that to be a neighbor, to truly be a neighbor like Christ was a neighbor, that we don't have an exception list and we can't have an exception list. And we can't make excuse after excuse after excuse of why we can't love someone when reality is that we just don't want to. So let's continue on. So we know the story from here. Jesus decides he's going to kind of use a parable and give him a little bit of insight. Jesus replies, he talks about a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho in verse 30. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And so as we know, in verse 31, a priest comes along, he sees him, but he passes by on the other side. Then likewise, a Levite, when he comes to the place and he saw him, he passes by on the other side. But then Jesus says in verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And I love this, this another detail that Luke gives that the first thing that the Samaritan did, the first thing that Jesus speaks of to the Samaritan isn't the actions that he took. It's the heart that he had. So the initial thing that Jesus recognizes about this Samaritan is that he wanted to help, right? He knew how to help. Did the priest before the Samaritan not know how to be a good neighbor? And so he passed on by because he didn't know how to. Did the Levite say, oh, Samaritan, I would love to help you, but I'm just not sure that sure the steps that I need to take to be a good neighbor to you and to help you. No, they both knew how to, they just didn't want to. And so Jesus quickly says, but the Samaritan had compassion, compassion from the heart that gave the Samaritan the want to. And because of that want to, because of that compassion, the Samaritan took action. And we know what happens. Verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And so he asked the the teacher of the law, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The teacher of the law said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Again, this wasn't any type of like groundbreaking, mind-blowing new teaching that this teacher of the law received. 
He knew the answer from the beginning. Any Jewish person that you would have gone to at that time and said, hey, there was a man who was left for dead on the side of the road and a Samaritan was the only one who helped him. Who was the loving neighbor? Everyone would have known the answer. Everyone would have known how to be a neighbor to this person. The problem was the teacher of the law didn't want to. And we see that again because he says, who was the one who was the neighbor? And the teacher of the law recognizes the one who showed him mercy. And I don't think it's even, um, it's not a coincidence that right after that, Luke goes into the story of Martha and Mary. You may know that story if you don't. This is where Martha and Mary, Jesus comes to their home. One decides to go and fix a meal and do a bunch of stuff, do a lot of actions. One decides to sit at the feet of Jesus and show her love to him. And Jesus says, who showed better? The one who showed love. Because Jesus really told people and shared with people and highlighted the hearts of people in his ministry. When there was actions involved, Jesus always said, we got to look deeper than our actions. We got to look deeper than the how-to. We have to go beyond the how-to and get deep into the want-to of our hearts. And that's where most people's problems lie. Not in not knowing the how-to, but in not wanting to. And so, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for Christians in the 21st century in 2021? I think what it means, and I think we would all agree that the problem probably with Christians in America and churches in America, and one of the, the issues that probably all of us, if we were honest with ourselves, problem that we have isn't that we don't know how to. We've been sufficiently taught, you know, as churchgoers, if you've grown up in church in the South, you've, been, you've heard every Bible story over and over again. You've heard the golden rule. You've heard the Beatitudes. You've heard the lessons of how to be a good neighbor over and over again. If we were honest with ourselves, the problem right now with the church in America is they don't want to be a good neighbor to the rest of the world. Let's be honest. That's what's going on. We don't want to. We like to stay in our own you know, Christian bubbles. We like to hang out with people who are just like us. We like to you know, be comfortable and, and take it kind of easy most of the time. That's, that's human nature. That's how we like to behave. But the reality is we have to constantly remind ourselves that God calls us to more that God calls us to something greater. That in this story, Jesus confronts this very attitude that my neighbors are the people who are like me and the people who I like, right? Doesn't Jesus say that? It's easy to love the people who are like you. It's easy to love your friends. It's usually easy to love your family. That's, that's the easy thing. But Jesus says, it's when your enemies are standing in front of you and what you choose to do with them is where it really matters and what really shows where your want to is or if you have a want to, to love other people and to be a neighbor to others. And so what that means, I mean, if you think about, think about our, our Christian church now, God calls us to go out as followers of Jesus and to be a neighbor to people who look different than us. He calls us to, to be a neighbor to people who think different than us. He calls us to be a neighbor to people who have different value systems than us. And it doesn't take very long as followers of Jesus to, to run into people who are different, right? 
at your workplace, there are people who are different. There are people who look different, who think different, who probably think what you believe is crazy, who may treat you different. There's people at your schools that do that as well. There's people in your neighborhoods that do that. There's people on your kids' sports teams. All wherever we go, we are running into people who look different, who act different, who have different values, who um, are very different than we are. And what Jesus is saying in the Good Samaritan is, We know how to love those people, but he challenged us to make sure that we want to. And when we don't want to, what happens is the church becomes a place that is just for church people. And God becomes the father and the person who only loves people who look like us. But the reality is God loves all, doesn't he? John 3, 16 is as simple as it gets. For God so loves the world. And so that person that you work, run into every day at, at work that just makes you so mad that just, you just can't stand them, you don't, you don't wanna have anything to, to do with them, God loves that person and God wants you to be a neighbor to that person. You probably know how to, but do you want to? Or maybe that teacher that your kid has or that you have as a student, if you're a student in here, or that, that other person in your class where every day you come and you try to ignore them, you try to stay away from them, or they just make you so mad. You, you don't want to be nice to them. You don't want to care about them, but God loves them. And God calls you to be a neighbor to them. And you probably know how to be a neighbor to them. You probably know how to love them. You probably know how to care about them, but you just don't want to. And how about family members or friends that we have that can be kind of difficult, that it's easier to ignore or it's easier to not talk to or it's easier to stand at a distance from. Those people that God loves just as much as us, that God cares for just as much as us, that God is calling us to specifically go to and to love and to be a good neighbor to. When we know how to, we know it takes sacrifice. We know we have to maybe give of ourselves to do it. And so we just don't want to. I think in the Good Samaritan, Jesus is challenging us to look deeper into our own hearts. Because what was going on with this teacher of the law, and I mentioned this before, is is he had an exception list. Do you have an exception list? I think if we're honest, I think all of us have an exception list. An exception list is, I love all people because God loves all people. All people are worthy of dignity and honor and I'm gonna treat them that way because the Bible says so, except. And if we're honest with ourselves in our hearts, we have these people who are on this exception list who we love all of these people except these type of people. You know, and let's be honest, it might be somebody who looks different than you. It may be somebody who has a different political leanings than you. It may be somebody who doesn't work as hard as you at work. It may be a parent who parents differently than you. It may be a student who's more or less popular than you or an athlete in your school that is better or worse at something than you. We all have this exception list, if we were honest, that we say we're gonna love people with the love of Jesus. We're gonna be self-sacrificing. We're gonna care for people. We're gonna do whatever we can to show people God's love, except. And we have those people on that exception list. Because no doubt with this teacher of the law, the Samaritans, we're on the exception list of all of the Jewish people. 
You probably know the backstory, but the Samaritans lived north of the Jewish people and they had decided that they were going to worship at a different place. And so this animosity between the two just bubbled up, bubbled up like huge. And so they hated each other. And so Jewish people would not be caught dead around Samaritans. They wouldn't be near them. They wouldn't talk to them. And we know that Jesus went to a well and talked to a Samaritan woman. And then Jesus in this story takes the Samaritan man to be the hero of the story. And what Jesus is doing is challenging this teacher, challenging the Jewish people as a whole and challenging us to take our exception list, the people that we don't want to love and scratch everyone off that list so that we can love everyone. But how do we do that? Right? Is there, is there a how-to to change your heart to love people that you currently don't love? Is there a step-by-step way for your mind to be radically changed so that you see people with the eyes of God and you love people with the heart of Jesus so that that exception list gets erased and you truly love everyone, no matter how different they are than you, no matter how, um, how to your mind they are just not living even the way they should. The hard thing is there is no how-to. Because the only way that happens is when our hearts change. The only way that happens is when the Holy Spirit inside of us begins to work in our hearts to give us a heart full of grace and a heart full of love and a heart full of mercy. And Jesus uses the Samaritan to show that, that the reason the Samaritan could love someone wholly different than him The reason the Samaritan would not make an excuse, he probably had a hundred things to do that day, but no, he didn't make an excuse. He didn't have an exception. The reason that he was able to do that was because he had compassion and he had mercy. And so it was his heart that made him love people and be neighborly. And there's no how-to to to change your heart. I can't give you a step-by-step, do these five things because that's not the way God ever intended it. Because God wants to change your heart through the Holy Spirit. And the only way for God to change your heart through the Holy Spirit is through a deeper, growing relationship with him. The only way for your heart to change for people who are different than you is to realize that God's heart for people that are different than you is filled with love and compassion. And the only way is to pray, even beg Jesus, come and change my heart to give me your heart. Help me see other people the way that you see people. And I guarantee you that if you pray that with a pure heart and say, Jesus, These are the people on my exception list. These are the people that I have a hard time loving and being a neighbor to. And if you admit that and bring that to God, ask him to change your heart, I guarantee you, he will begin to do a work in your heart. And so I was, I was kind of looking through that this week in the, the story of the Good Samaritan and kind of reflecting on the many, many, many times that my kids have pretended like they don't know how to do something when the reality is they just don't want to. And it caused me to ask a few questions of my own life. I mean, the first one really is, how is my want to? Like, how is my heart? How often do I make an excuse as to why I can't be a neighbor to someone? It happens probably more often than I would like to admit. 
There's many reasons why I'm too busy to help someone else. Or how many times have I made this exception list and how many groups of people and different types of people, if I were honest with myself, are on this list that causes me to love them less than people who are not on the list. And I don't mean you hate these people. I don't mean you like despise them or look down on them. Sometimes it's just, we love them a little bit less, don't we? Sometimes we are a lot less likely to help this group of people on this list than we are of the people not on the list who look a lot like us. But Jesus went to the people that didn't look like him. Jesus went to the people who didn't act like him. Jesus went to the people who had completely different value systems than him. The woman caught in adultery. Jesus defended the woman caught in adultery. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the greedy person who stole money constantly from people. Jesus went to him. And the Samaritans, Jesus went to them. And so the two questions I want to end up with uh, this morning, as I was thinking about this, is, is I wanted to kind of think about, well, how is my want to? If I was honest with myself, and if you're honest with yourself, how is your heart? Why, do you, why am I not a better neighbor than I could be? Why are you not a better neighbor than you could be to other people? And these are the two things that I thought of. The first question I thought of is, is what is my response to scripture? When I open God's word and when I read the story of the good Samaritan, for a long time, I would, I would read a story like this or another passage of scripture and I would quickly figure out what I'm doing right and what everyone else is doing wrong. Have you ever done that before with scripture? You read a passage and you immediately think of, well, these three people need to read this. Oh, well, my mom, she needs to read this. If she could, you know, how often do we, how often have you ever been in a Bible study? This happens to me sometimes, and maybe this happens to you, and I have a tendency to do this, that somebody will ask a very personal, reflective question, maybe in a Bible study or a small group or a life group, and it's designed to make you think about yourself and your own heart, and quickly you deflect it to talk about other people. There's so many times I've been in a group that where, where the question that's asked is, well, what does this mean for you personally? And I'm quick to, and maybe you're quick to, and maybe you hear other people do this quick to say, well, what this means is that other people should be more loving. What this means is that, you know, I, and we like to kind of make it about other people because we don't want to admit that our hearts need a little more of Jesus's love in them. We don't want to admit that reality is our want-tos are a little bit broken, that there is a list of people that all of us have that we could love better. And so what is your response to, to scripture? When you read God's word, do you, do you take it? Do you use it, you know, to puff you up more and to talk about and look and say, well, that's the way everyone else should behave. I've got this, I've got this figured out, but, but this scripture really applies to a lot of other people. Or do you use it to challenge yourself? Because God's word is designed for us to take it and look inside of our own hearts and to ask God to change our hearts. We're responsible for our hearts. God doesn't want us to read a passage and say, oh God, if you could change so-and-so's heart with this, it'd be wonderful. He wants you to read it and say, God, this is where I need change. And if you could change me, man, then I could show the love to these other people and your love could then change them. And the other question that I thought of is, and this one really made me think, the question was, am I an excuse maker or an exception finder when it comes to loving and helping people that are unlike myself? 
Maybe you can ask the same question for, for you. Are you an exception finder or an excuse maker when it comes to loving people who are unlike yourself? It's easy to love our friends and our family, right? But when it comes to people who are different than us, how often do we make an excuse while we can't be a neighbor to them like we are to our friends? And how often do we have this exception list over here that just because someone may fall on that, we choose to love them a little bit less? And I have to admit that, that I do that. We all do that. We all, as sinful humans that have that sinful nature inside of us, we have the tendency to create these lists. People we can love well, people that don't deserve our love, people that we can love a little bit less. In reality, when Jesus came, he shattered those lists. He tore those lists up and said, no, God loves all people. Follow in my footsteps and love everyone. Get your hearts in order, church, is what he's saying to us through the Good Samaritan. Get your hearts in order so that you want to love other people and don't pretend like you just don't know how to. And that's challenged me as I was reading this. And I, and I want you to, to, to take that home with you this morning as I pray. And I'm gonna pray for us in a moment. I want you to think about that as you go throughout your week this week even. Who are those people that you encounter that are on that exception list that you love and you care for and you help and you're a little less neighborly to than these other people? And maybe in those moments when you run into someone, because you'll probably run into someone today that you could recognize yeah, they're, they're on the list somewhere. And tomorrow when you go to work, yeah, they're on the list somewhere. Stop in that moment and ask God not to change them, but to change your heart so that our want to can align with God's want to. God wants us to be a light to the world. God wants us to love all people. God wants us to show the grace and the mercy and the care of the father to all people. Will you pray with me?